pleasure of interviewing Joyce Bone. Joyce is the founder of MillionaireMoms.com. She is an accomplished businesswoman who's recognized nationally as an expert in entrepreneurialism and real estate. She's been featured on TV, books, and magazines such as Money, Kiplinger's, Millionaire Blueprints, highlighting her experiences growing a business from zero to $50 million in 18 months before going public on NASDAQ, as well as her real estate acumen. Her passion is helping entrepreneurial moms master the art of raising a business and a family at the same time. Joyce lives by the principle, model someone who's already reached the goal you want to achieve. This principle and her own drive and determination helped her to grow her business from zero to $50 million, and she's turned $10,000 into $1.5 million in 18 months. Joyce will share her secrets and stories of other millionaire moms who started with nothing and now make more in a month than most people make all year. These are not famous women. They are people like you who started from scratch, made the right moves, and are now living the millionaire mom's lifestyle. Average Janes who started their business out of sheer need to provide for their children while raising them at the same time. Welcome, Joyce. Hi. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm I'm just delighted to have you and we have a lot of questions, so I'm going to go ahead and start away if you're if you're ready. I'm ready. Good. So, Joyce, tell us about your early experiences as an as an entrepreneur and how they helped you create the life you now have. Well, I think uh my experiences start as early as when I was 5 years old. So, I tend to believe that you're sort of born with the personality to be an entrepreneur. That's not to say that you can't become one over time, but I always had that inner drive to make money and have my own business because I I came across a lot near my house growing up that had an abundance of frogs. Don't ask me why, but there was a frog explosion. So I scooped them up in my shoebox and I went door to door selling them as frogs for your garden. (laughs) The big ones were a quarter. And the little ones were a dime, and uh, that was my first business. Wow. So uh, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I also learned about customer service because I had one old lady, you know, want her dime back because her frog died, and I didn't want to give it back to her, but my mother made me. So <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, my, my first introduction into business. And then as I grew up, uh, my I had six kids in my family, and my dad was uh, of the firm belief that, you made your own way through life. So I had to pretty much pay my own way from about the time I was 12. And uh, I would buy my own clothes and I'd babysit and I'd graph how much money I made during the summer um, with my babysitting money. And then when I got into college, I paid my way through college. I went to school full-time at night, worked full-time during the day. And that's when I was exposed to the business model that I myself incorporated after I became a stay-at-home mom and decided I wanted to start my own business. So uh, kind of that, I guess, being forced to to be accountable for myself financially was what led me to uh, recognize this as a a business model that was worth repeating. So um, I I was really happy about that. And basically, with the company that I took public, it was called Earth Care, uh, and traded on NASDAQ under ECCO. And I had been in the environmental business during that time frame, and I had seen these national companies 
uh, who were started with the sole purpose of going around and through acquisition, growing quickly to create a national company. So I had seen them come into this industry, buy up all the mom and pops, and then go public after a short time frame. And everybody involved made a whole millions and millions of dollars. So when it came time for me to start my own business, I thought, well, I want—I was 28 years old. I knew I wanted to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. And I said, you know, I need to do something stupendous, something big in order to do to reach that time goal. And that's when I went out. I got my old boss who had sold his companies and made millions and millions and millions. I approached him saying, hey, wouldn't it be fun to be the driving force? You know, instead of being the one acquired, be the acquirer and be the one who goes public because that's the brass ring of business, isn't it, Heidi? To say, you know, you went public. Uh That's like the ultimate. That's the ultimate business goal that you can reach because only, you know, not that many people do it. So I got him very excited about the idea. I provided him with the research for about six months before he agreed to do it. And then he was my first investor. He lent me a million dollars cash. Now, I was a stay-at-home mom. I was, like, jogging around a track thinking about these things with my baby in the jogging stroller. So I was not the person that you would look at and go, hey, that's a really great business person right there. I think, you know, I think she's going to go places. But I had a belief in myself and my abilities even if nobody else did. I just knew that I could do this. So I went to the one person who knew my work ethic and knew who I was and how how hard I worked, and I asked him for the money. So he lent me a million dollars cash, which I took to the bank, and I got a $13 million line of credit with the bank, and I started uh started proving my, my executing on my plan. I went around and I bought small mom and pops. And like I said, I was just this young lady. And the first, the first company I bought, I walked in the door. I was all excited. I was the, I was the big boss, right? I walked in the door and one of my employees walked up to me and he asked me if I was new there. And I said, well, yeah, I guess you could say I'm new here. (laughs) And he said, great. We've been needing help. Would you make me 50 copies of this? And so he thought I was a secretary, and I just looked at him, and I said, I said, you know what, I am more than happy to help you here, and I went and made the copies for him, and I gave him the copies, and 30 minutes later, the old owner introduced me as the new owner, and, you know, the look on his face, as they say, was priceless. <laughs> so, you know, that was my, my whole business career, it was just kind of overcoming stereotypes and what people thought but you know what I didn't care because I had a plan and I followed my plan and it worked so once I used up the 13 million dollars I did a private placement uh, and then I took that money and went to Bank of America and got them to loan me 40 million dollars and I took that money and continued to grow the business and once I got to 50 million I did a reverse merger on NASDAQ and went public and uh, so that was you know my my big adventure after we went public, we were moving the company to Texas to bring on more sophisticated investors, and I had a child, and the agreement I had with my husband before I started this business was that he would never go into daycare. So I had in my contract with my partner that if we moved 50 miles outside of Atlanta, I got to go home and get bumped to my highest salary range, which you know was in, well into the six figures, and 
and write out my contract. So that's what I ended up doing because my whole family's from Georgia and staying with my husband and it was, you know, it made sense to do it. And that's when I started experiencing mailbox money. And I was like, this really is awesome. I just go to my mailbox once a month and pull a check out. <laughs> I'm like, this is the way to fly. So I decided moving forward, any businesses I got involved in would have to be residual in nature, at least at some point. And I took two years off, and, you know, life was good. I had another baby. I had two sons at that time. Now I have three. And um, I started getting the itch again after two years because, you know, people oftentimes, they ask me, well, why, why do you continue to work? And because that's my, for me, it's my art form. It's what I'm good at. It's what, you know, I enjoy doing. It's like putting a puzzle together to make a new business work. And, you know, I look at it like an actor, an actress, if, you know, uh, Tom Cruise doesn't have to work anymore, nobody asks him why he's making movies still, right? <laughs> so I decided that real estate was going to be my next adventure because it was tax-friendly. I had been hit with a pretty hefty tax bill after I sold my shares. And um, so I wanted something tax-friendly that was potentially residual. And you know, real estate, if you're a landlord and you and ultimately properties are paid off and you start getting that mailbox money, which I had experienced before. So that's what led me into going into real estate. And I know you have some questions for me about that, so I'm more than happy to answer them. Well, you just kind of answered the question how you got started in real estate. What did you, how did you, well, obviously you knew because of the tax shelters or the tax benefits, I should say, of getting into real estate. But what was your first real estate transaction like? I mean, was it, I mean, obviously, it had to be a positive experience for you to want to keep going. Um, how did you? How did you, tell us about that first experience? Well, it's funny. Um, the first house I bought, I I partnered with my dad and my brother, and we bought this little eighty thousand dollar house. Uh, which, you know, it was we it was a rental property, and because my brother always wanted to get into real estate. And my dad was bored, so we thought, okay, we'll, we'll let Dad in on the deal, and we'll just all do this together. So it was an opportunity for us as a family to all kind of stick our toes in those waters uh, and be supportive of each other. So the first property we bought for 80, well, actually $78,000, and it was just this little rental house that we rented out for three years, and then we sold it for 130000 And after we did that first deal together, we decided, okay, this works. I was afraid that nobody would ever, ever want to rent it. I'm like, what if we could, that was always my biggest concern with real estate. It's like, what if I can't find a renter that would stink to be stuck with a house with no renter? Um, but that was not the case. So after that first experience, I just kept doing all different kinds of deals. I bought quadruplexes. I even bought a 54-hole miniature golf course. Uh, on a busy highway, a busy roadway here in Atlanta. Um, so I, I did a variety of deals, Heidi. <laughs> wow, yeah. So you were really very diverse in your uh, in your real estate um, findings, obviously. Did that? Yes, I was. Um, the reason why I did the golf course, huh? Uh, well, the reason why I did the golf course deal was there were cell towers on the back of the property. And remember, I told you I was all about residual income. Well, the cell towers were throwing off $25,000 
a year um, in income, and they were the best tenants out there because the checks came on time and they never called you to complain. So I really wanted to get a hold of the cell tower, so I bought the whole thing so that I could flip the property and then cut out the leases and keep those for myself, which is what I did. So wow, that worked out pretty well. Yeah, obviously. Um, at what time, and what, you must have had, at what, what's the most real estate you owned at one particular time? Well, I had 10 rental units uh, and the miniature golf course. So a couple million dollars worth. Wow. So let's I've never actually added it all up together, but I would guesstimate two or three million in, or, or so in real estate. Wow. Um, let's talk about this book that you were featured in. The, it's called What No One Ever Tells You About Investing in Real Estate by Robert Hill and Robert Shemin. How did they learn about your success and subsequently feature in you in this prominently inside the covers of their bestseller? Well, that's kind of funny <laughs> because I had gone to a Georgia RIA, which stands for Georgia Real Estate Investors Association meeting which if you're interested in getting involved in real estate is one of the pieces of advice that I give people. You really, really need to educate yourself. Uh, I remember when I got involved with real estate, I didn't even understand the vernacular. They were throwing around terms I'd never heard in my life. And I thought, I need to get around other investors that can help educate me and I can learn by talking and networking. So I had, I became a member of Georgia in 2000 and I had gone to one of their once-a-month meetings, and I was in the back of the room talking, which is what I like to do. <laughs> and uh, he, Rob Hill was up on the stage talking about a book that he was creating, and would, you know, would we mind throwing in one of our real estate story experiences? And I thought, oh, and then he said something about $1,000 if you get picked. So I thought, well, that'd be fun to win $1,000. So I just jotted down on a piece of paper, you know, my a story that I had experienced and threw it in the pot. And then they just called me out of the blue and said that, you know, congratulations, I've been one of the people chosen. So I was like, oh, great. So when do I get my check? <laughs> they were like, oh, well, you go into a drawing for $1,000, which because I was chatty Kathy in the back of the room, I didn't pick up on that, you know, piece of information. So I may or may not have entered my story had I had heard the whole thing. So uh, I was glad that I did because Rob's a, uh, a super guy, and uh, I really enjoyed working with them. And that was how I got in that book. Wow. You, yeah, to me, you got to, if you want to, uh, you really need to circulate to percolate. That's one thing that I advise anybody in any business that they're going into that all the good things happen when you're out networking, when you're out in the public eye. That's when things happen. It's not when you're sitting in your house, because I'm in my house a lot. I work out of my house, and I love my house. But the, the, big, the big pops, the big happenings happen when I'm out in front of people. So that's a piece of advice I would give to any, any business owner. And I love that. I've never heard that put quite that way, to circulate to percolate. I love it. And I actually <laughs> have an old-fashioned percolator. People laugh at me. but I Oh, do you? That's yes, funny. it's like 25 years old. I can't part with it. <laughs> hey, we still have a rotary phone at our lake house. I said oh. we still have a rotary phone at our lake house, and 
I remember pointing out to my sons going, do you know what that is? Yeah, and they look at They're you like, like you have two heads, right? Uh, <laughs> you, you mentioned the Georgia, right. I, I think it stands for Georgia Real Estate Investors Association. Is that what, That's what you were just talking about, correct? That's correct. How well does that's that right. help it's, your business grow? How does that help your business grow? Well, if you're in real estate, they offer educational seminars. They have subgroups where if you're into doing short sales or you're into commercial property or real estate, whatever your thing is in real estate, and I've done pretty much everything, um, there's a subgroup that you can join that's niched down to what you're interested in. So that's always beneficial. They have a women's group, you name it, and then they have educational. I was their uh, lead mentor coach. They, they did a uh, coaching opportunity for people to have more seasoned investors walk you through your first deal, that kind of thing. So it's just it's a, pla- it's a place, it's a home that you can go to that if you don't know about real estate, you really need to find that because there's so much to learn uh, in real estate that you really, you'll probably be lost without finding a group of like-minded people. I think it's a great idea. So if you're in a community that doesn't have one, you could think about starting one, which also gives you that circulation factor that you you mentioned earlier. I think it's a... I've not heard of one here, and I'm sure being in the, the I'm in the Miami Fort Lauderdale area. There's probably one. I just never looked for one, so I'm going to now. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. So, how much money does one need to begin investing in real estate, Joyce? And the second part of that question is, what do you consider some of the best markets to invest in right now? Not giving advice, just your experience, obviously. Well, how much money you need. To start with, you know, obviously I had a lot when I started, so that wasn't a major concern for me. But uh, for my brother, he didn't have a lot of money when he started. Uh, It kind of depends on what your strategy is. If you don't have a lot of money, I would suggest doing things like wholesaling, um, where you're not really taking control of the property. Or you can do subject to deals where you just take, if you want to be a landlord, you can take over somebody else's mortgage and uh, you know and do it that way. Uh, if you have money, I mean, gosh, you know, cash is king. You can go in and negotiate a better price. But as a real estate investor, it really boils down to either price or terms. And you need to find the motivated seller that will work with you on one or both, because uh, that's how you always make your m- money as an investor on your way in. You do not make it on your way out. You make it on your way in. So you better negotiate a really great deal for yourself going in. Great. So now in today's market, you know, it's, it's, uh, if you want to be a landlord, this is a great time to buy property deeply, deeply discounted. But you need to be prepared to hold it for probably three to five years, you know, three years minimum, plan on five Note buying is always is a, a good way to go, as is, um, I would say, again, wholesaling, because then you're not really risking anything. You know, you just got to be careful not to stick your neck out. You don't want to get it whacked off. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Uh, in my first life with my first husband, I was a landlord. We at one time had 62 rental units. I can tell you right now it wasn't fun. I don't ever want to do it again, but that's where the money is because he became a millionaire shortly before we got divorced. 
and just from oh, all that yeah. we own. But you know, it you you gotta also have the you know, I didn't look at the money end of it. I looked at all the work I had to do to maintain the properties. If I'd have looked at it the other way, I probably would still own the five units I owned when I got divorced, you know, the five homes, instead of selling them, because I just couldn't stand it anymore. I had to get rid of them, so I didn't make a lot yeah, of it. Yeah, it can be painful. Yeah. yeah, it is. Very painful. But, you know, live and learn, I don't go back. being a landlord. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think a lot of people have that experience, landlording, because yeah, you are – uh, Lewis Brown calls them aliens from another planet. <laughs> uh, they just don't think like you and I. <laughs> they have a different mentality. Exactly. Um, if I was going to be a landlord, I would suggest to people that they buy uh, duplexes or, or preferably quadruplexes because then at least you're getting paid. Uh, when you have a lot of single-family houses, you know, you have 62 roofs or whatever, but if you have quadruplexes, say you have 10 quadruplexes, that's 10 instead of 62, um, and they cash flow better. And, right. and at the end of the day, that's what real estate's all about. It's about the numbers, and it's about cash flowing. I, would, I know on my quads, those were definitely financially my better properties at the end of the day. Right. Now, I've sold those because people would come up to me and, offer me money for them, and, you know, I was like, hey, okay, I'll sell it to you because I can go buy another one and do it again. So I would always sell as I went. If people, I never actively sold, but if somebody came up and wanted to slap me upside the head with some money, who was I to turn them down? (laughs) And you know, you're right, because today it's definitely a renter's market, so you can buy if you can hold on to something long enough, like you said, three or four years. I think that's good advice. Um. What are your top three tips for investing in real estate? Well, one, as I already said, is get educated because it is it, it can be a minefield if you don't know what you're doing uh, on, a, on a number of levels, both from dealing with tenants, you can get sued, uh, which I got sued by one of my tenants because I didn't want to extend their lease. And she had been a paralegal in the Army, and she knew the legal system. She wanted to stay for six months, so she sued me and stayed for six months and then left. Uh, so you can be – and that would used to always freak me out, like, oh, I'm going to get sued. Well, now I've been sued, so I know, okay, well, I didn't die. I survived. <laughs> I won. You know, um, that's not going to stop me. So uh, as far as that goes, I will also tell you that I went to court with her because of principle. And you know what? Sometimes you've got to put your principle down because it was a big waste of time and energy and emotion. So as far as if you ever do find yourself in that situation, it's usually better just to cut your losses and you know, be done with it because the only people that win are lawyers. Um, so you definitely need to be educated. You need to start slow, okay? Uh, when I say start slow, uh, I know people that get so excited about real estate that they thought, well, I'm going to do a bunch of subject to deals, meaning take over other people's mortgages. And they, they got into houses for, you know, very little or nothing down. I mean, in some cases they got paid to take the house. So all of a sudden, they have 10, 15 properties, but as you stated, there's carrying costs. There's going to be uh, new carpet needed. There's going to be paint needed. There's going to be all kinds of expenses associated with that. So you don't want to load up your plate so quickly. You need to 
you know, slowly add to your portfolio until you get more comfortable and you learn more. Um, but the caveat to that is that you definitely need to take action. When I say start slow, I don't mean sit there and never pull the trigger and get paralysis analysis where you're just looking at deals all the time, but you're too scared to pull the trigger. So there's a balance there. And uh, as I also said, I think the biggest thing is don't do marginal deals. You know, go. I, I only did usually maybe three. I wanted to make six figures. I'd do three rehabs a year, but I made sure that those were very profitable. Uh, you know, I did a short sale on a house. It was 180000 retail. I bought it for 110000 uh, And then I sold it to another investor for 130 and then carried the note and made an extra five or ten. So um, that had very little little risk for me, and it was a nice, profitable deal. You know, but I had to find really discounted deals. So you're going to make your money going in, and unless you want to work really hard, it's better to hold out for the really the ones with the biggest margins. So I guess those are three tips. Wow, great. So what are some of the more. mistakes people make who invest in real estate? And you might have already said them, obviously. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, buying too much too soon, Fine. paying too much. And uh, I guess another mistake that people have is you, when you buy real estate, you got to have your plan A, you have to have your plan B, and you have to have your plan C because it doesn't always work out the way you think. Um, for me, if I bought a rehab property, my plan was to rehab it and sell it for a profit immediately as quickly as possible. That was the idea. Well, sometimes uh, it wouldn't work, so then I'd have to go to, well, I mean, it always worked. It's just sometimes it's, I might have to go to plan B, which was um, sell it, you know, as a retail deal or sell it to um, another investor or do a lease option to uh, a tenant. Like that was worst case scenario. Okay, well, if I can't sell it, then I'll lease purchase or lease option it to a tenant, meaning they give me, you know, some money down, 2000 5000 whatever it was, and then they they move into it and rent it for a year, a year and a half, and then they purchase it. So you always just have to be prepared for the different scenarios that might pop up. Yes, great. Great advice. What has been the most exciting or interesting real estate deal you've been involved in so far and why? Hmm. Well, I love my house I bought. <laughs> it's tripled in value, and it's it's on the river. Um, so I really like that. And I, I have to say probably the miniature golf course because it is just so much fun. I It was the kind, you know, with the, with the gorillas and the elephants. It had a big lagoon in it, and it had a 5,000-square-foot party room and game room. And my kids loved it. It was a big family affair. Uh, I got to give it out to the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, the PTA, everybody in my world that needed an end-of-season party. So I got to do a lot with the community with that one. Uh, so that was, that was probably the most exciting one, I'd have to say. Have you sold all the properties that you originally started out with, or do you still own any of them? I still have one rental house. Um, I sold, I have a pretty good sense of timing. And just like when I started my business, I knew I was going to do an IPO from the beginning 
because IPOs were hot at the time, you know, 97, 98. Then I got into real estate, and, you know, that was really good. And then as soon as anybody who could fog a mirror got into it, that's when I decided it was time for me to get out because I didn't like the, you know, the fact that you could get zero down loans. I mean, just all the market mixes were just wrong. And so that's when I started selling my property. And I sold my last property just right before the subprime debacle, like a month before that happened. Wow. And so I just kept, and my properties were spread out, which I do not recommend uh, to people. You need to farm your area, meaning you find a neighborhood that you really like, that has houses that are affordable, uh, and then you get to know that neighborhood like you know your spouse. I mean, you know anytime something changes in that neighborhood, that's how uh, well known you're going you're gonna to get with it. So I, I didn't do that. I kind of spread myself out. Uh, so I, didn't, I knew I didn't want to hold these properties that I had to drive more than 20 minutes to. So that's what I did. I sold all those off. And I kept my one house because I liked it. And, you know, it was 20 minutes to my house. And it is a good investment. I mean, real estate's a great investment. It's good for your taxes and appreciation and all that. So uh, I have a wonderful tenant in there. I can't say enough good things about him. And I'm very pleased with it. Perfect. So our listeners, I'd like to segue a little bit into uh, Millionaire Moms a moment. I'd like you to maybe share how you got the vision for Millionaire Moms and, um, and um, what inspired you to start it. Well, I, I, I've been thinking about Millionaire Moms since 2006. Uh, but I was involved with real estate. I have a I have three boys that are young. My youngest started kindergarten this year. So I was just kind of overwhelmed, you know, just doing my real estate and keeping up with the kids, so I didn't really pay attention to it. And then when I did sell my real estate, I thought, well, what's next? I thought, hmm, what am I going to do? I'm, like, I'm just going to take this millionaire mom, so I'm going to roll with it. And the reason why I chose to go down that path is it's the, it's the first thing that I've been really passionate about. And that is helping moms that are entrepreneurial because they're in such a unique position. It's, it's you're a mom first and then you're an entrepreneur. And that's the way it should be. But not everybody always understands that. So since I've always believed in surrounding myself with people that are smarter than myself, that are more accomplished than myself, um, I thought, well, what these moms need is information from other millionaire moms. They need to, to hear what these women went through and how they overcame um, their, I guess, adversities that came their way and how they managed their family. Because I, I really do believe in that you're the sum total of the five people you hang around the most. So I wanted to give every mom the opportunity to, to learn from a millionaire mom. Because you know, first of all, m most people wouldn't recognize the these ladies because they're they're moms. <laughs> you know, it's like when people learn my story, they're like, "You really? I didn't know that." They don't think that. They think your husband did it or your family did it. And so, they I wanted to give the millionaire moms an opportunity to tell their stories because they've done some amazing things. And I wanted the what I call moms on fire to benefit. Uh, the moms that are out there getting it done, to hear their stories and hear their 
how they went about doing things. So it's, it's sort of a coaching mechanism. And uh, so I thought, I, and not to mention that I'm surrounded by males. I have three boys and a husband, and I wanted a little estrogen in my life, Heidi. <laughs> so I thought this will be a great way to accomplish everything that I love and want to do. So oh, that's, that's how I got involved in it. So, so could you share one or two success stories, maybe, maybe, maybe just one, because it looks like we may not have time for two, but at least one of some of the members, what they've done, what someone's done in your group? Oh, okay. Well, uh, what I try to give as a takeaway is that concrete business advice that you can use, that you can replicate. Uh, One lady, she took her business plan and she sent it to 30 CPAs because she needed funding. She figured these CPAs are going to know who their money clients are and who might have an appetite for my type of investment. So she did that and she got funded. Uh, told another person that story, she tried it, and she got funded. So I know that the advice is replicatable. Same thing with business plan development. Not everybody likes to do business plans. And uh, so one mom told me that she went to her local university and got the MBA program to help her develop the business plan and test out the concept. Uh, Told it to another mom, did the same thing, and she's getting the same benefits. So that's what I really get the most excited about. Uh, is giving really concrete advice, kind of backdoor stuff that I know I would never have thought to send my business plan to 30 CPAs, that kind of information that all the moms can apply to their world. And, you know, I've had several moms just, you know, explode their business from listening to the CDs. There's one lady in Texas, she's just beside herself because she's growing her business at leaps and bounds in the um, collegiate market. And uh, so those are... Uh, is that what you're looking for? Absolutely, I and I think that you answer your question. unbelievable tips that possibly most of our guests wouldn't have thought of, like the CPAs and, and the MBA program. I mean, I know that the Small Business Administration has their uh, SBDC, Small Business Development Centers, and you can go and get assistance from them. And quite often you speak to people who are so far removed from the real world because they've been retired so long, they don't have the connections, they don't do things like they did back then. and even though they're very an expert in a specific area, oftentimes they're not the person you actually need for your situation. So I think that's really great advice. Thank you. You're welcome. Not only that, but a lot of the colleges, they actually go to business plan competitions. So you can even get funded or win money by if you go through the school and, and participate in their business plan competitions. Wow, great. Well, we'll definitely keep that one in the back burner. It's going to be in my resource list. (laughs) (laughs) Great. And speaking of resources, what other resources would you recommend to our listeners, Joyce? Well, of course, everybody has to have a website. And if you're working on limited funds, which, you know, I'm going to assume that everybody listening, you know, even if you have more funds that you want to do things as cost-effective as you can, there's a website I found called Weebly, like Weebles Wobble, but with an L-Y, W-E-E-B-L-Y, Weebly.com, where you can get a free website. You know, you have to develop, develop it yourself. But I went on there and was messing around with it, and I was figuring it out, and I'm not very technical. So that's a place where you can get a free website. Um, I like Help a Reporter Out if you're trying to get some media attention for yourself. It's a free website where uh, different reporters, national reporters, 
people looking for blogs across the board where you can post a query or you can uh, respond to a query. So I've been enjoying that one a lot lately. That's uh, and then, of course, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's called help a reporter out. Help a reporter out. Dot com. Mhm. I'm writing these down. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and then of course you you, know, you mentioned the SBA. There's Score.org. There's SBDC, which is Small Business Development Center. And then I use, uh, and then the IRS actually has information to help you uh, understand that portion of your business. And I'm a big fan of mastermind groups. Find some people that are going into the field that you want to go into and, you know, meet once a month, meet twice a month to hold each other accountable and to set goals and to network with. I actually went to one this morning, and it, that group has been so beneficial in jump-starting my millionaire mom. So I really suggest that. And I know when your speakers will be talking about that. Absolutely. On Saturday, Maria Marcella from uh – I'll think of the name of the company in a moment. She will be talking about uh, mastermind groups. She actually does these online mastermind groups, and she's been a part of several. And so when I found her online, I asked her if she'd like to talk about it, and she said, absolutely. So we're excited because she can talk about how she's grown her business and many of their speakers have. So, yeah, it's a great it's – it's, it's probably my favorite tip. They're all good. <laughs> well, thanks. Joyce, tell us about the special promotion you have when our guests go to your website and sign up. Well, um, at millionairemoms.com, I have an interview series. And if you will go to joycebone.com to the contact information and you know, leave your information there, I will make sure that you get a free month of the, uh, of the Millionaire Moms interview series. So that's what I'm offering everybody listening today. Wonderful. And uh, I think you'll find it beneficial. Absolutely. I'm sure there you've got some unbelievable guests, so I'm sure that that'll be a wonderful resource. What's next for Joyce Bone? I am just going to continue rocking and rolling with MillionaireMoms.com. I'm expanding my network to include even more information other than um, just the Millionaire Moms coaching, which I think is huge. But uh, I'll have other resources available there. And, I, you know, I've just got – all different kinds of things, all surrounding millionaire moms that I want to help and uh, help all the entrepreneurial moms out there achieve their ideal life. And when I say millionaire moms, I, I refer to that because, like I said, I want to go the best to get the best advice. But, you know, for every entrepreneurial mom, whatever your definition of success is, that's what we're striving for for you. We just want to help you create your ideal life, and that's what we're all about. Absolutely. And you know what? That's the wonderful thing about when you get to your position, you just want to show other people how they, how the possibility and potential that we all have. So I think it's great. Well, you know, it's funny is I write a uh, column for Glow Magazine through eWomen Network, and bar none, when I ask these millionaire moms, what is it that makes you glow? What really, you know, makes you feel like you're on the right path and you're really proud of what you're doing? Burn on it's giving back. It's watching, you know, if it's a franchisor, uh, franchisor, it's watching their franchisees create their own experience and be able to provide for their family. It's always about helping the next person. And that's really what makes you happy in life is a sense of community and a sense of having contributed to the world. So um, that is, uh, that's what it's all about, Heidi. I agree. That's why I found you. 
<laughs> well, I appreciate you finding me. Yeah, so do I. What's the best way for our guests to contact you? And you may have already said it, but if you will repeat it, that would be great. Uh, well, you can contact me through JoyceBone.com. There's a contact form there. Uh, and then at the bottom of Millionaire Moms is my phone number. So you can go to either site, MillionaireMoms.com or JoyceBone.com. And just, you know, feel free to drop an email. Or if you want the free month, fill out the contact form information, and I will get you hooked up.